Hey, Jordan, thank you so much. By the way, if it's your, if it's your second week, next week you get to do announcements. Um, so, yes, Jordan, great job. Glad you're with us uh, today, folks. I am, this is one of my favorite, favorite weekends of the entire year as we talk about um, our church community in the community and in the world. And this is like, this is something that gets me really excited. Um, before I get to that, though, I want to uh, tell you, this, a lot of you guys know, if you've been with us before, you know that you really can't experience anything that Mariners does at any of our four campuses um, without hearing the word rooted. And I just want to tell you just really quickly, rooted, if you're not sure what that is, it's our kind of our gateway into community. It gives you all the DNA of our church. It's a 10-week discipleship. It's kind of a weird church word for it, but it's a discipleship community where we get together, talk about God, talk about what God's doing in our lives, and we do it in a, in a facilitated, non-teaching way. It's a facilitated kind of group. Anyway, it has changed the face of our church. And the eighth week of that, that conversation, rooted conversation, is everybody's favorite thing they want the church to talk about, which is money. Everyone's like, please, can the church talk about money? I sure love when they do that. I want to bring my friends and you do it. I want to talk to, you know, just that is just like, man, that's the best. So, um, uh, and during the eighth week of Rooted, everybody gathers together um, here. And I, you know, I talk about money and stuff like that. And so we're talking about it. And I got some great questions about it. You know, we, we bring an offering every week, as you, know, you may or may not know. And that's not a surprise, probably, even if you're not part of our church community, we bring an offering every week. But people had a great question. I, I realized... A number of rooted groups were asking the question, well, we like, we like giving, we think that's good, and we know you think that's good, Jeff, but we're wondering, do we have, what, we, I'm not really sure I want to give to the church, because, you know, I don't know what you do with our money. And so I want to give other places, because I know what they do with their money. And I was like, okay, that's a fair question. I mean, the church doesn't have the best reputation, at least in America, I don't know if it does elsewhere, of like always being awesome with people's money. So I get why people are like, I'm not sure where it's going. So here's, I just decided this week, here's what we're going to do. Just if this helps you, our, I will make our entire budget available to you to look at. You can have a hard copy. If you want to come by this week and go, I'm, I want to give, but I want to know what you're doing with my money. Like, I want to make sure there's no, like, pastor's jacuzzi fund or something like that, where you're, like, <laughs> building something. It's like on the roof, we have a whole, like, fitness center and a spa or something you never get to see or, you know, whatever. Like, <laughs> I want you to see where your money goes. If you're worried about it, I want to make that available to you. You can look at the hard copy and say, okay, I get what they're doing with this money. So you can see where children's ministry and high school and junior high, all that, you can see all of that stuff that we do. You go, okay, I get where this money goes. Because that evidently was a big question for people. So we have full transparency. You can look at all that stuff if you have questions about it. Good? Good. Okay, good. Now, let's get on this other stuff. I know you want me to keep talking about money. Um, but we talk about it seriously because this is a way in which we worship God. It is a way that we respond to all of who God is with all of who we are. And it's not the only way, but it's a way we do it. And so we have to talk about it, and it's a good thing to talk about. All right, let's get into this week's message. This week we are talking, um, we're tuning in our series called An Outsider's Guide to Jesus. And um, it's a walk through the book of Luke. Luke is a guy writing a book about li the life and ministry of Jesus for a guy who is a Roman citizen. In other words, that person is going... If this is for real, if Jesus is for real and everything about him, everything we've heard is for real, I want to know for sure because, you know, when in, around the, this time when this book's being written, people who called themselves Christians were, you know, were like lion food. I mean, that's what it was like, really being persecuted. So it's like, we're not, I want to make sure this is real. And so Luke's writing to someone who may not have all of the answers. Luke's writing to a guy who's going, he's just going, I'm going to give you an ordered account of all these things that happened and what we've, what we've learned about Jesus. And so if you're new to church, or if you are new to Mariner's uh, Mission VA or any, any Mariner's campus, really, what you're, what you're, this, you're here at a perfect time 
Because what we're doing is we're giving you, the outsider, a look at Jesus and all the essentials of who he is through the guys, through, through this, um, this one guy's sort of view of who Jesus is. And it's been great. I have a great question from people. It's been very cool. And so I'm very excited about today just to show you kind of how all this stuff works together, outreach weekend, everything else. It's going to be a great, great, great Sunday. So let's do this. Let's pray together. And we'll jump right in and um, get to the, the message. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, we are grateful for you. We, uh, we know that regardless of um, whatever is in our past, whatever is even in our present now, that you love us and that you hold us dear to you. And Jesus, we live in a world that um, values us being self-sufficient, independent, and, um, and capable. And yet, Father, we know that we need you. Some of us walk in here, as we know every week, people walk in going, I need something, I need some answers, I'm feeling kind of downtrodden and I need to be lifted up. Others of us um, walk in here, God, having been lifted up by you and grateful for it, but in either way, we know that it is because of you. Jesus, we live in a world where there is our own personal experiences of pain and tragedy and personal victory. We live in a world where there are things like hurricanes in the Philippines. We live in a world where there is personal and corporate grief. And Father, we need you to lift us up and to hold us up. And so Jesus, as, um, as we gather today, as we think about celebrating differently, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us in the stillness and in the quiet that we might hear from you, God, in the words that are beyond words, that we might be sensitive to what your word would say to us today, Jesus. So we give you a moment just to hear from you. Father, would you lift us up today? Would we let you exalt us? Would we lower or humble ourselves? Not thinking any highly of ourselves than we ought to, but thinking how, Father, we might be able to lift up the downtrodden near us and among us, the ones you have placed in our presence, in our midst, within the reach of our resources, Father. We're grateful to you that we can call this place a home where people who are struggling don't have to feel like they have to fake it, so grateful for that, Jesus. In your name, amen. Um, hey, if you want to follow along, we are go, we are in the, there's a little bulletin you got in your, or a little uh, outline you got in your bulletin, I should say it that way. There's an outline you got in your bulletin, you can follow along that way. You should have got a pen if you want to take notes, if you want to follow along on the screen, if you want to just follow along on your, you know, iPhone or iPad or whatever it is that you got, great. However you want to do it, we're in Luke chapter one. And um, let me ask you, oh, I'll just say it this way. What do people do? I mean, people do all kinds of things and they get great news. They do all kinds of things. They dance, they sing, they do whatever. But, you know, there are, there are ways in which people celebrate. And you watch, I, I, you know, if you've ever seen little kids, yours or not, you've ever seen little kids, they get, they get good news. They kind of get in their own little world and they sing about whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, they sing about Legos and Barbies and SpaghettiOs and whatever else. But they just have a little song that they sing about them. And, they make, and they're really sweet and wonderful. And when people are singing a, a song of joy... The worst thing you can do for them is interrupt them in the midst of it. Am I right? Like, so let me just show you. This is a famous, like, YouTube clip you might have seen before. But let me just show you what I mean. So check this out. Yeah, I'll just kidding. I'll just kidding. You can do it. 
Wow, man, I mean, can you get the picture here? There's this, the whole family singing that the little girl in the blue, just like, not even helping, the, just looking at the dad the whole time, and then take her eyes off him, just, how dare you, dad? <laughs> he wants to be a single lady. I mean, it was just like so funny. Now, there's this tone in the, in the car right there that's incredibly celebratory. Everybody's singing, and, and then there's a moment where it kind of comes to an end there, which is really tragic. And at the beginning of the, the book of Luke, the story of the gospel account of Luke, of Jesus' life and ministry, you have two reasons, two very early reasons to celebrate um, that, are, that are told by Luke. One is this. They both involve an angel, the angel Gabriel. An angel shows up to a guy named Zechariah who's working in the temple, who's a priest, and he tells him, hey, you're going to have a baby. And Zechariah's really old, and his wife's really old, and Zechariah's like, I don't believe you. And, you know, I need a sign to tell me this is going to be true, because we're old, and that doesn't really happen for us. So you got to make it, and so the angel's like, I got a sign. You can be quiet. So Zechariah's quiet for nine months. He gets not to talk, right? So his wife, Elizabeth, is super excited. That's great news for her. She's really pumped up. There's a reason for her to sing. Now then, you have uh, a, the angel appears to uh, a, like, but basically is a junior high girl, Mary, and says, hey, congratulations. You're also going to be pregnant with the Lord's Messiah. And isn't that great news? And there is this tone, which is at least on, on one level, incredibly celebratory. That there is good news for this one woman, Elizabeth, who's going to have a kid who she didn't think she could because she's old and barren. And then there's good news for this girl who's going to have the Lord's Messiah who will rescue the whole world from all, you know, this is like great news. Now, what we have to remember, though, is those songs or those, those announcements, I should say, those announcements that come to these women or to their husband, this kid, in Elizabeth's case, her husband, those announcements come in the midst of real life. They come in the midst, not when everything is working out perfectly, not where everything's going the way that it's supposed to go. They get these announcements, and it's not like everything is always a song for everybody. It's like a little bit of a challenge. And Mary sings a song that is called in Latin the Magnificat. You might have heard that before. The term just means to glorify. But before she sings her song, let's place her really where she is in her world in this reality. Because she sings a song knowing about her being pregnant with the Lord's Messiah, Jesus. And here's, what she, here's kind of her situation. So Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 38, he says this. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered, speaking to the angel. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Now, this looks like, okay, so she went to go visit someone. Elizabeth is called in the Bible her, literally it's the word kinswoman in Greek, but sometimes it gets translated as cousin or relative. But she goes to visit Elizabeth, and it sounds like she kind of went up the hill down the street a little ways to go talk to her friend. But she went from this Galilee, Nazareth and Galilee, all the way to Judea, which is like, it's about 60 miles as the crow flies, but because you have, but traveling literally by roads and by trying to avoid certain places, it takes about, it's a hundred mile journey. So here's a girl going on a hundred mile journey by herself to be with someone. And the question is, why would she go through all that trouble to get there? Because think about her situation. Here's a 13-year-old girl who says to everybody, to her parents and to her soon-to-be husband, everybody, great news. I'm pregnant. It's with the Lord's Messiah. An angel told me. And they all go, you're crazy. You've shamed us. You've shamed your husband-to-be. We don't know who, you know, no one, and no one in her little world can understand what she's going through. 
But there's one person, and last week we talked about this, that the angel names, who actually kind of like he tells her, hey, it's just like your cousin Elizabeth's going to be, you know, it's a good news for her, she's, she's pregnant now. And Mary's like, oh my gosh, there's one person who would understand if I said an angel visited me and told me about some kind of miraculous birth. And so she goes 100 miles to be with the one person who could understand her. She goes all the way through all this trouble to be with her, this, this kinswoman, because nobody else understands her. That's probably the most painful thing for anybody in their life, but particularly someone who's 13 years old and is a girl, to not be understood is incredibly painful. So she's willing to walk all that distance to be with her. Verse 41, notice the, t- notice the tone here. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, meaning the baby that Elizabeth was carrying. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Or and sometimes you can, in other words, in other words, the word and can actually be translated because. Because of the child you will, bear, you will bear. Blessed are you among women because of the child you will bear. Blessed is the child you will bear. Now, the tone is like you got babies leaping somehow or another inside the womb. I don't know what that's like. Maybe some of you who have been pregnant could talk about that or you could all have a little conference and explain all that together. But most guys don't understand. I mean, but there's this leaping of a baby. There's an expression of joy. The tone is overwhelmingly positive. Verse 43, she says this. But why am I so favored? That the mother of my Lord should come to me. Now, this is probably the first instance in the Bible where someone acknowledges that Jesus is the Lord. And he's a fetus. He's like inside someone else's womb. And she goes, Elizabeth goes, my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. This is such good news. This is happening to me. That my Lord, Jesus, would come to visit me in my own house. She's overwhelmed already and she hasn't even met this person As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, she says, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Now, the tone, obviously, you get this really unbelievable tone of celebration and joy. But both of these women, Elizabeth went into um, seclusion after she got pregnant, because, of course, no one would really believe her until she actually started showing. And Mary's in seclusion because no, but she's already shamed her family by pretending that an angel talked to her. You know, I mean, she's said all these crazy things. And there she is. Both of these women having this moment of celebration and joy. And Mary bursts into song, the Magnificat, as it's called. And here's what she says, or sings. Verse 46. And Mary said, or Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. In other words, it literally translates like, my soul makes mega the Lord. That's how it literally translates there. My soul makes the Lord huge. I, my soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Now, remember, she's singing this song, and the tone of her her singing, or her words right here, is that she has been blessed, and that she will be blessed. Now, when we, as a group of people, generally talk about being blessed, we talk about things in basically four categories, more or less. Talk about other things, but they're basically like this. Health. Wealth, security, comfort. Generally, we talk about those things as being blessings, and they are good things. Health, wealth, security, comfort. Mary has none of those things. She's all alone. She's walked this journey by herself to be with the only person she could think of who might understand her. And there they are together, sitting there, and she says, I I call myself blessed. God has shown favor with me. I'm so blessed. 
which means that it can't be because of health, wealth, security, or comfort that she feels those things. She feels blessed because of something else, because she's a part of what God is doing through her. God's going to do something amazing, and she gets to be a part of that work. So she's blessed. Partnering with God in what he is doing. Now here is what God is doing. Verse 50. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm, and he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. This is language that comes out of the Exodus when the Israelites are captive in Egypt. God rescues him with his mighty outstretched arm. In other words, you're beginning to see already that these are past tense verbs about something that's going to happen in the future. In other words, God is going to initiate another exodus for his people. They'll be liberated not only from the tyranny of Pharaoh, as it was in Egypt, or Caesar, as it is in the present for them, but there's another thing he's going to liberate them from, which is the the, the tyranny of sin and death and evil itself. 52. Verse 52. He has brought down rulers from their throne, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to our ancestors. You have this this picture here in which God clearly has a favorite team. We don't like the idea that God has a favorite, but he does. God has favorites. He tends to be always on the side of those who are humble, those who have been humbled by the circumstances of life and all of the systems and powers of the world. And for those people who are perfectly comfortable with the status quo, with the way things are, with the way things ought to, those who are comfortable with everything as it is, they're going to have a tough time with this God and Jesus who's coming into the world. He's helped his servant Israel remember his promises to Abraham. These are the words that are said right before God rescues people out of captivity from Egypt. God is one who remembers promises. And he's one who has a bias for those who have been overrun by life and the powers and systems of this world. That is clearly who God has on his side. God's kingdom, as we read already, is this sort of series of reversals. Those who are rich will go away hungry and those who are hungry will be filled those who are already who who rule will be brought down from their throne but those who are humble will be lifted up this is the way that God's kingdom will work in other words if you rule if you have a throne or you have this kind of comfort with the way things are and you have no expressed humility then you're going to find yourself pretty much at odds with God's kingdom promises now all of this stuff that she's singing it sounds like something else People who would have read this would have gone, this sounds like she's borrowing from another song. I hear her song, but it sounds like it's another song. And, and you know, I, I remember when I, in, in 1990, when I was, I was a freshman in high school, and I remember there's a song that came out. And it was a song that ca- I thought this is the most original, most clever, brilliant song. And it swept the nation. It was a huge song. It was this one right here. See if you remember this. No, that's... I mean, this is, I mean, by the way, that was awesome. I know I just nailed that, so. Yeah. <laughs> we had to cut it off right there because I realized it would just be a full-blown dance party in here, and we'd have, I, you know, and I realized I would have instigated that. It would have been my fault. Now, 
That song came out, I'm like, this is the greatest song ever, right? And it was like, and I, and I, I, realized, I thought I knew all the words to it. I realized I know like every fourth line. That's a, that's a brand new edition. So daily and nightly. I mean, I just didn't know the words of the song. Uh, <laughs> well, this is the coolest song in the world. And so, but some of, you know, people like my teachers and stuff, I remember this. They're like, that's not, that's not the first time I've heard that song. And I'm like, yes, it is. This is awesome. This is, this is vanilla ice, word to your mother. I mean, I was like, this is the best. <laughs> but there's another song this comes from. It's this one right here. See if you notice the subtle similarities. <laughs> okay, really different. Right? The whole difference there is just that piano. Blonk, blonk, that's it, right? This is a song by Queen featuring David Bowie, which, by the way, I heard that you can kill, you can kill it now because everyone, again, will start singing. We'll have a little dance fiasco here. That song was, you know, like, by the way, that featured David Bowie. One of my friends this week said, I never really knew until I was much older, like older than I want to admit, that the word feat, like F-E-A-T period, was like the word featuring someone else. She's like, I thought that was actually like a person. Feet, man, feet is on all these songs. It sounded unbelievable. I was like, yeah, they're really talented. Um... But people would say, now what, what, what Vanilla Ice did, that's <laughs> so funny to say that, what he did was what's called sampling. It means he grabbed some of these things from another song because they worked and he could, re, he could like reappropriate them for his own song. Now what Mary's doing is she's got a song that she's going there that is sampling from another song. She's taking from a song of a person named Hannah, who incidentally is also having a miraculous birth story for herself. She prayed and prayed and prayed that God would give to her a son. And she has a son. She names him Samuel, which means asked for, uh, uh, how did I say, uh, asked for, asked for, that's all it means, asked for. That there's this kid who she asked for named Samuel. And that kid, she says, I'm going to dedicate to the Lord. And she sings a song. And it's about the work that God has done and God will do. And it sounds a lot like Mary's. And it's on your outline. I'll read it to you. And we'll just go through it really quickly. I want you to just hear this tune. Then Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. Already sounds familiar. In the name, in, oh, I'm sorry. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance or your rescue. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of warriors are broken. But those who stumbled are armed with strength. Listen to the upside downs and the reversals. Those who were full hire themselves out for food. But those who are hungry, hunger, are hungry no more. She who was barren has, has borne seven children. But she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. And he sets them with princes and has, has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants. But the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. And he will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Now you have over and over again. I, I don't know how you could look at that and say, God doesn't have a bias for the people who are the downtrodden, the humble, the lowly, those who have been overrun, steamrolled by the world. God clearly has a bias. And this is the song that both of them sing. 
Hannah's prayer is one that people are anticipating that God will fulfill or begin that, sort of inaugurate that work that you see the last line there. The, um, the, he will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Anointed is the, the Hebrew word for anointed is the word Messiah. And here comes Jesus, the Lord's anointed. That God's work will be fulfilled. This, this song that Mary samples from Hannah is a continuation of God's story that he intends to see fulfilled in, in the world. There is a song God sings, and the lyrics and the sort of tone of it are really clearly biased for those who are humble and those who have been humbled by the world. God's looking to give voice to the voiceless and finding people in the margins. I think I put on your outline, Zechariah 7, 10, there's like the the big four, the category of people that God is like most on their side. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless or the foreigner or the poor. I mean, these are... Widow, fatherless, foreigner, poor. That's who God is on. That's his team. And he's, in other words, you could probably say it in this way, that God is so on their team that you could say to those people, which some of us are in here, he would say to those people, I am here to comfort the afflicted. And what's not so comfortable for a lot of us is, even if that means afflicting the comfortable, I'm on the side of the afflicted. I will comfort the afflicted, even if that means afflicting the comfortable a little bit. Jesus is bringing God's future into the present now. We live in anticipation of God's intended future, and that's what Mary's singing about. God's future is going, it's right now. And somehow or another, I get to be a part of God's future in the present world Moving on into the future. That's what Mary's singing about. She calls herself blessed because she's participating in the work that God is doing. She gets to join him in that work. And there is this new song that's bursting forward into the world. I remember when I was a kid. Some of you will remember this as well. Probably the same people who remembered Vanilla Ice will remember this as well. Do you remember when we had these things called audio cassette tapes? (laughs) Now... I remember when I was a kid, if you liked the song and you didn't want to pay for it, but you wanted to have that song, the only way to get that song was to hear it on the radio and press play and record on your boombox at exactly the right time. How many of you remember doing this? Okay, yeah, there we go, my people. Okay, now, there's that moment. Now, I remember, I remember this, this is really, this is really embarrassing. I remember uh, when it was, I don't know how old, I was old enough to be embarrassed by this, but I don't remember how old I was. But we lived, this is my mom and I lived in this this condo complex, and our garage was like, a, it felt like a quarter mile from our house, you know, like, <laughs> you, know, trying to, you know, you just had to make sure you got every, you had to, you know, had to work out some math equation to balance all your groceries on your hands, you know, like, try to figure out how to do it. But anyway, where I remember they're announcing on the radio, we're going to play this song. <laughs> That's super embarrassing. We're going to play this song, and, you know, so get your, like, boom, I mean, it was like, literally, go get your boombox ready. You're going to want to hear this song. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I remember we pulled into our garage. I was like, let's go, 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 go. And so now the song, <laughs> the song, <laughs> the irony is unbelievable. The song is uh, I, Running Just As Fast As We Can by Tiffany. Some of you guys are <laughs> running just as fast as we can. Can't, okay, remember that song? Holding on to one another. Okay, you guys are with me. Trying to get away. Into, yep, okay, you're all there. Now, you're all embarrassed with me then. Good. So I remember they're talking about that song coming on. While another song's like, they're, they're playing some songs, they're like, we're going to wind it down, then we'll have that song by Tiffany, which is huge. And I'm like, oh, Tiffany! That's embarrassing. 
I mean, that's cool if we can, you know, just hustle a little bit. But the song, the, the DJ's talking, the song's fading, and we're running to my house as fast as we can. There's the irony. Running to my house, carrying everything. We get to the house, and the song comes on. And another song is kind of still going. It's fading out. And the DJ is talking over the new one, which if you're trying to record the songs, like, stop talking. I want to get this song without your words on it. Now, here's all of what's going on. I'm already anticipating this song, and I'm already thinking about it, and I was running to it. Here's what's happening now. There is a song that's being played. It's a song the way everybody celebrates during this season. It's a song about how we could get more stuff, how we could acquire things, how we could utilize the traditional forms of blessing and call ourselves blessed. And there's a DJ talking over at the same time saying all these kinds of words to us about stuff. And as long as we're not, as long as we're anticipating the new song coming, the more frustrated we are about those other words that are interrupting the new song. God has a song he's playing in the world. There are dance moves to it and there are good lyrics to it. And what's being said here by Luke is, if you're trying to dance to the old noise, you will miss out on what God is doing in the present and in the future. God has a song and he has a bias. It is for the poor and for the lowly and for those who have been overrun by the world. And for those people who follow Jesus, Mary and Elizabeth both being examples. They're chomping at the bit for the new song to no longer have those distractions. They might be a part of it, that they could dance to it even as the other one is still kind of playing in the background because they can live in anticipation of God's future right now. The way we do that is by making God's biases our own. That's how we dance. That's how the song is sung. There's God at work in the world, and he's doing these things where he's got this advocacy for the poor. His big four again, the foreigner, the fatherless, the widow, and the poor. He's got, that's, that's what the song is about. And during this season where there's so much talk of deals you could get on buying things and acquiring stuff, the church is faced with the reality of, is there another song we ought to be dancing to? Is there a new song we got to sing? What would it look like for us to celebrate this whole season differently? I want to show you a snapshot of um, a family in our own church community here at Mariner's Mission Viejo who has taken that very, very seriously, and it's a very, very cool story. So would you check out this video, and then we'll bring my hair up, and we'll talk about some other practical ways. Christmas for our family over the past few years has been amazing. My dad is a great cook and he would always make homemade cinnamon rolls, which is something that we've always looked forward to. So Christmas has always been fun, you know, like a typical Christmas that I would say the average family has, getting up in the morning and opening gifts. As believers, we try to have Jesus be the focus of Christmas, but it's, it's difficult in our culture and even today I struggle with obligation, as I would call it, to give gifts and things like that. Um, some of it was just my own personal hang-ups being a stingy person. But when Mariners rolled out the I Give cards, uh, that got me to thinking uh, even more about celebrating differently. So Christmas morning when we were opening gifts and my dad kind of halted us in the middle of the gifts and gave us these envelopes. I was wondering, ooh, what is this envelope? What's inside? With some additional year-end funds that we're, we're blessed with, uh, we set aside some money for each of the kids or to use in ministry as they, as, as they saw fit. 
whether it was to go on a mission trip, you know, use it for their own ministry uh, activities or to help others. And to be honest, I was feeling selfish and that brought a little bit of a guilt because I didn't really want to do that, if I'm honest. And I was kind of torn about what I was going to do with the money because, I mean, for me, easily, I would have used the money to probably buy another pair of heels or a new watch or necklace, but I really felt that God was tugging on my heart saying, no, Mary, you need to think outside of yourself, and I'm calling you to something greater than this. We are surrounded by, you know, constant ads and magazines and beautiful things, and you are better than that. You are a child of God, and you, I'm calling you to do something different. It was an opportunity to celebrate differently. Awesome, yeah, you can clap for that, awesome. I love that picture because it, it, it truly shows what it looks like to celebrate differently in, in this season. And my favorite part is that they are part of our community, uh, Ted and Meredith Miyaki. Um, hi everybody, uh, my name is Maher and I get, to see, I get to oversee outreach here at Mariner's Mission Viejo. And in continuing the conversation, uh, I want to talk about how we can celebrate differently. Um, in this season. And as we look at our world and see how, what they value, they value stuff and money and uh, busyness during this season. But what does it look like for us as a church to celebrate differently? And I want us to wrestle with that and then take this entire season to celebrate differently here at Mariner's Mission Viejo. See, as, as followers of Jesus... We here at Mariners are on a path where we come to church on Sundays to have an experience, uh, to encounter Jesus, and then, and then we, we begin to build a community of believers around us through life groups uh, after we've gone through Rooted. And then we go out into, into our communities, into our neighborhoods, and begin to serve, uh, serve the poor and the marginalized and the forgotten. And as we do that, two questions start to arise. Question number one, who are my people? Or better yet, who are your people? See, for some of us, we're called to a particular people, whether it's to at-risk youth or the elderly or caring for the homeless. But for others of us, our people are those we least expect. And that brings me to the story of Donna and Elaine Her. See, Donna and Elaine, in 2005, went to Uganda, Bombo, Uganda, and in seeing the need, they came back and they sold their house, they, they sold their boat, they liquefied their, their, uh, their savings. Because in looking at this question, who are my people, God led a retired fire chief and his wife 
to the children of Uganda. Currently, they, they, they lead our Uganda ministry. And they also hold the partnership that we have with, with, uh, with the church down there in, in Bombo. And they get to, and, and we, get to, um, we get to help out in, 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 in building schools and, and building life homes. And for you, for you that don't know what life homes are, life homes are, are basically uh, an alternative to, to large orphanages where eight to ten kids at a time have an opportunity to receive food, medicine, clothes, education, and have a house mother that cares for them, uh, as, cares for them as, as though they were her own. And that's how, that's how they, they get to answer the question, who are my people? And there's actually, uh, this past outreach weekend, uh, you guys, who are extremely, extremely generous church, um, raised money to, to build one of these life homes. Uh, there's, there's an example of that, a uh, very 32-bit uh, pixely picture of that right up there for you. Um, sorry about that. Uh, but I, I love that because it's a picture of, of answering the question of who are my people. Question number two. What does your heart break for? What does my heart break for? What does your heart break for? We all have things that we're passionate about. We all have things that we care about. And we can all agree that there are issues in this world that are just not okay with us. And for me, that brings me to, that brings me to when my family and I left Lebanon, Beirut because of the war. And we found ourselves in Quebec, Canada. And because of our status, my father ended up getting arrested and the government gave us four days to leave the country. They put us on a bus all by ourselves and they drove us to the border. And I remember my dad. I remember my dad saying, pretend you're asleep, pretend you're asleep with a chance that they might not kick us off the bus. Because when we got to the U.S. border, we had, we had no money. We didn't speak the language. And we had nowhere to go, no place to stay. After some time, um, we, were, we were led to, to a temporary housing camp. And I just remember my mom and dad just constantly fighting. <laughs> because we had no food, we had no money, but especially because my, we had no medicine for my baby sister, Sarah, who has Down syndrome. And I remember one day there was this knock on the door. And it was a group of people that just brought us bags of food and some medicine for my sister. I'm sorry. 
few weeks later, this group comes back, and it's around Christmas time. And they bring... They bring gifts with them. And because it's Christmas time, and the funny thing is, is uh, we didn't celebrate Christmas because we were Muslim. <laughs> but, but you better believe we took those gifts. <laughs> oh, man. It turned out that this group of people loved Jesus. And I stand here before you, a follower of Jesus, because a group of people decided to celebrate differently with their time and their money. What a difference we can make in this world if we choose to celebrate differently. In these two stories, we're asking the two questions. Who are my people and what does my heart break for? Will you dare to ask yourself those questions and attempt to answer them? See, the reason we serve the poor and the marginalized and the forgotten, the reason we attempt to celebrate differently in this season is because we were created to, and it actually makes a difference. So, in saying all that, how are we at Marin's Mission Viejo going to celebrate differently? Well, as you leave, each one of you is going to go out there and grab one of these bags and go to the supermarket and fill it with, fill it with groceries, whatever the list says, bring it back. Then you're going you're gonna to go out there and you're going to take one of these Christmas wish list tags, buy a gift, and bring it back. Because we can all agree that no kid and family should not have a meal for this holiday season or a tree under, a, a gift under their Christmas tree. Also, you'll find this sheet out there that will have different opportunities that, that you can sign up for to serve, to go online and sign up. And throughout this, this next few weeks, we're going to be giving you different ways to celebrate differently as a community here at Mariner's Mission Viejo. So that's what we're going to do as a community. But now, I believe that God is calling us to something greater. And I believe we are up for the challenge. I love what James 1 says. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep oneself from being polluted by this world. We have an opportunity today to live that out and to be on the side of those that God favors. Remember those kids in Uganda? Well, Uganda is the youngest nation in the world with 49% of the population under the age of 15 because of the HIV and AIDS epidemic. You have kids raising kids. You might have seen it on your way in, but on the patio, 
there's a Uganda child sponsorship table out there. And I believe we are up for the challenge to clean that station out, to give these kids food, clothes, education, and medicine. Will you ask yourselves those questions and attempt to answer them? And will you choose to celebrate differently this season? Thank you.